DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Utah Jazz, media availability with Dennis Lindsay, post-free agency, pre-regular season. He and Justin Zanuck meeting with the media. You got any takeaways from that, PK? A couple things that caught your, uh, your ear as they gear up for the season. Yeah, certainly the idea of hitting the ground running, because when you look at it last year, they added two significant pieces that were brand new in Conley and Bogdanovich, right? And so 40% of your lineup hadn't played a down for you. And I know I'm going football, but you get the point. Maybe a minute would be better. And so here, your big free agent acquisition to date, not that it was super big, but it's Derek Favors. And he is a jazz man through and through. <laughs> and he's a Quinn Snyder jazz man, which all of them are now. There's been enough time. So he... There's nothing brand new to him. I mean, things have changed a little bit, but all the defensive philosophies that Derek Favors knows, uh, he knows exactly what it is from the second they get on the court, whenever that is. Uh, you know, you talked about uh, the first game a month from today. So that would be something that, or three weeks, whatever it is, they'll be ready to go. And that, that's exciting because you want to be in a win-now mode. And I just hope that, you know, I can't predict what's going to happen with COVID or injuries, but one of the things that's frustrating is that you don't get the opportunity to prove how good you are. And last year, to an extent, with Bogdanovich out, they didn't get that when the thing was uh, rejoined. Well, you know, he had that surgery several months ago, so I'm assuming that, you know, he should be ready to go and, and play, and and he should be better. He was pretty good last year, but he should be better. And I, I was listening to Phoenix Radio the other day at the gym, and man, they are so high on the Suns. I don't. They put the Suns in the category of uh, the Jazz as potentially being able to catch the Jazz. I, I don't. I don't see it myself. I could be wrong, but they're talking about how Conley's done. He's just not going to be the, even close to what he was. And interestingly, Chris Paul is going to be all that. And Chris Paul, I think, is older than Conley. I think Chris Paul had a better season last year. He was an All Star, but I'm expecting Conley to be better than he was last year just based on the familiarity. So I want these guys to stay healthy, and I know not everyone's going to play every game and there's going to be injuries, but when they get to the postseason in the spring, to be healthy and really see where they're at and how they stack up against all the other teams that they'll be competing with. Well, the downside of Mike Conley and uh, Chris Paul, um, and, and Conley just turned 33, uh, two months ago. So he'll be 33 all the way through this season. Uh, Chris Paul's 35, and he'll turn 36. So I think we've been over this a gazillion times, but at the risk of hitting it one more time here, Conley's play from mid-February on looked way more like Mike Conley than everything you saw from early February and before that. And some combination of him figuring out the offense, playing hurt, sitting out a big chunk of that time when he was hurt, um, limited to production. And from mid-February on, the production got much better. Went back to the bubble. It was still good. So if he sustains that, then the Jazz are in a pretty good place. Now, the risk for both these guys is that when you're under 6'6", it's funny, I just had a conversation with an NBA scout about the draft, and his point was when you're under 6'6", in the NBA, other teams are looking to pick on you. Now, they may know they're not, they may not be able to get away with it, um, but they're going to keep going back every once in a while and seeing, is this the guy? It's like the default go-to. If you're a 6'3 guy, and this came up, PK, because I asked someone about Nico Mannion um, 
in, as part of a longer conversation. And he said, it's a risk for everybody who's six foot, six three, the whole league six six, six seven, and freakishly athletic. You've got to be off the charts as a six foot, six foot three guy to hang with these six six, six seven, six eight guys who all handle the ball and move well. There is so much pressure on those guys. Now, at 33, 36, at some point, the athleticism drops, the production drops, and when the league figures it out, they're relentless. They go at you nonstop. So if you come up to the point as a smaller guy and you hit that where you lose a step, it gets exposed in a heartbeat. Um, But both those guys finished in a good enough spot that teams, media, fan bases are counting on getting one more year out of them. You know, at some point it comes because Father Time's undefeated. But that's the thing sitting out there for those guys. Okay, if they go at Conley, go ahead. Because I got a couple guys back there that I want you to go at. Because you're not going to succeed. And so I, I'm not as worried about that because it's all about the three-point shooting anyway yeah. from the perimeter guys. And so they're not putting the ball on the floor, going to the basket as much. And if they are, well, I got Gobert. And then if I don't got Gobert, I got favors. So I like my chances there. Uh, that was what you just said right there was the thought line that permeated the Jazz draft pick. You know, why go for Azubuike when you're going to have Favors and you're going to have um, Gobert? And the uh, thing I was told there was probably hedging their bets because on draft night, they didn't have Gobert signed. They still don't. They're negotiating with him, and they didn't want to talk about that yesterday. And they didn't have favors yet. They thought they were probably getting favors, and they thought they're probably getting Gobert, but a third guy, and then there's always he's going to be younger. Can you develop him, and can he fill in for one of these guys if they get hurt? Because nobody wants to hear injuries or excuse, and if you're counting on these guys – to make either a smaller guy or a guy who's not a, a very good defender, uh, you know, Bogdanovich. Um, Locke was on telling us how Bogdanovich's minutes mirror Rudy Gobert. So that people don't try to take Bogdanovich off the dribble because they're just going to dribble right into Gobert. You know? And so, hey, it's, it's hedge your bets just in case you don't get one of those two guys, although you're probably getting them both, and then start developing a younger guy. And if something goes wrong, you got him ready to go because you can't pay a third guy. But you're counting on a shot blocker. Yeah, and they got it. Yep. So, all right. Well, the uh, the jazz stuff is all up at 1280thezone.com if you want to hear it three weeks away from the season opener. And I, I think the thing that the jazz get in addition to favors coming back is they had so little of Bogdanovich, Conley, and Clarkson together. Because, yes, two of their five starters were brand new. The bench was a major problem early in the season. They got Clarkson. By the time they got Clarkson, then uh, Conley is hurt. They have that brief time where Conley's back and playing well, and then the league shuts down, and they had all three of them. And then by the time they get to the playoffs, they don't have Bogdanovich. So what kind of payoff is there for the Jazz if they finally get all those guys together? And, you know, the risk in assuming that is – you're probably going to have an injury again somewhere in your top eight. So missing one guy, you, you just have to kind of live with that because in the NBA it usually happens. It's a freakish year if you get through with your top eight intact. Well, it's not about, uh, to me, the regular season. It's about in the postseason. And then there's the, the story of, of Mitchell. The ceiling, as we say, got moved about 20 feet higher <laughs> based on Put a couple I stories saw. on it, huh? Absolutely, man. Uh, right now, 
it's pointless and ridiculous to say, oh, he can't do this, he can't do that. No, I'm not going to say any of that. I'm going to see what he can do. And right now, whatever you think is the ceiling, I'm not going to say he can't go higher. He can He can be first-team All-NBA. Yikes! I don't know that he will. Yikes! Why, why can't he? Why can't <laughs> if, he? If he can sustain what part of 36 points on 51% shooting and 53% three-point shooting can he sustain? Like I think Kyle, didn't Kyle Corver set the record at 53-4 or something like that? I forget what the decimal point is. But he's like, he's right at NBA history. Now it's two weeks in a bubble with no travel, no crowd, shooting background, all that stuff. But it's also against a good team. He's not getting to light up some of the teams you see in the regular season. And so to your point, yeah. He doesn't have to do that to be a first-team All-NBA. I agree. But if he does do it, he's absolutely first-team All-NBA. So he's probably not going to do that, but he doesn't need to do that. So if you just got 30 30 points a game and 47% shooting, you would sign on the dotted line right now. And he's going to have to – he will have the ability, and he already talked about this. He talked about this the other day about setting other guys up too. That's the great thing now is that he doesn't have to do it all. You know, He had to do a little bit more, obviously, in Orlando because of Bogdanovich out, and he did do. He did a lot a bit more. I mean, he was incredible. Uh, but I don't think that – and he knows full well he doesn't have to do that all the time. And he's very capable and willing and already knows it because he's got the mindset. He he understands what it takes to be a complete player, and that is setting your other guys up. Make the guys around you better because that's what all the true superstars do. They make the other guys around them better. There's been some really, really good players in this league, but have they made the other guys better? You know, there's it's debatable. To an extent. But if you look at the truly, the truly elite, yeah, absolutely, they've made the other guys better around them. In fact, they've elevated guys who that maybe were okay to be really good, to be all-star caliber. You know, you look at Steve Nash with Sean Marion. I'm not sure Sean Marion plays to the level that he plays without Steve Nash. Well, that's what Steve Nash did. Well, that's one of the reasons why he was a two-time MVP. Look at LeBron. He made... Look at LeBron last year, averaging 10.2 assists per game. He can make everybody look better. Right? I mean, he's the ultimate example in the game right now. I didn't want to go there because I, I can't ask Mitchell to be LeBron. I mean, that's just too much. <laughs> I, I, just, I, I, I can't go. I mean, one of the five, if not the one or two greatest of all time. I'm not, I just can't go there. That would just be incredible. Uh, probably not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Who knows when? Who knows when the next LeBron will come down the pike? I mean, it could it could be 50 years, really. I don't see anybody in the game right now who I can say, wow, if he develops a little bit more, can be the next LeBron. I see nobody, unless I'm missing somebody, I see nobody in the league who can do that in the next five years or so. So i got to put him off to the side because he's just that special. But as far as everybody else, Mitchell knows this too. This is nothing that he doesn't already know. But yeah, when you who who's going to be your possibles for first team all NBA? Cannot well, Mitchell compete with those guys? Well, LeBron, obviously. I oh, think yeah. another he's guy not who's with him. another guy who scores I know, but I'm filling out the five. Uh, another guy who scores a gazillion points 
but was third in the league in assists last year, making teammates better, Luka Doncic, 8.8 assists per game. So great player, uh, Love the guy's game. You, you can't go, you can't go very deep in the NBA without saying Giannis Antetokounmpo. So let's not get too far mm. down this list. Does Giannis make guys better? That's a good question, um, but he's going to be all NBA. As I, I mean, was he's an awesome talent. Five. Yeah, I was thinking more of the guard line, though, not just five guys. I was, I, in my mind, I was, I was stagging him up against the other perimeter guys. And I know everybody, to an extent, is, is a, a perimeter, perimeter guy. guy. Right? The, the level of uh, way, the, the way the game is morphed right now. So, can, 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 how about this? Can Mitchell have an effect on the Jazz to the level that Antetokounmpo has had? I don't think it's outrageous to say, yes, he can. Okay, but Ante Kimball gets to do that in the East and go out in the second round of the playoffs, and it's much harder in the West. So okay, fine. If, if you're Ante Kimball in the West, you go out in the first round, but which is what the Jazz have done the last two years. And I mean, when when he spoke on Friday, Donovan mentioned that you know enough. I've been paraphrasing, but basically enough of going out in the first round. I want more than that. Well, all NBA isn't necessarily based on postseason and uh, team play. It's more of yeah. an individual award. But uh, still, there's no traditional guard that I don't think he can be uh, taken up. That he has to take a back seat to. Who am I missing? Lillard? No, I think he can be Lillard. I think he can be better than Lillard. Well, Lillard's one of those guys who scores a gazillion points, but has a lot of assists too. Uh, he was top five in the league in assists. I think there were there were six guys last year averaged eight assists per game, um, and and some of them I wouldn't necessarily want on the team. Certainly wouldn't describe them as elite players. Want on the team is probably too strong. Um, but Lillard, I mean Lillard's a potential. Uh, he's an All NBA guy at some level. We'll have to see how he the is. season oh, plays no out. Um, but I can, can, I believe I can put uh, James Mitchell Harden, right Kawhi Leonard, just going through the best teams in the West and their best yeah. players. Uh, I did, Mitchell's just getting started. I mean, we're comparing him to yeah. a, a seasoned James Harden. Right. And so we've got yeah, well, the book on James Harden. Yeah, uh, and even Damian Lillard is deeper into his career. Oh, no question. Yeah, he's been in the It seems like he's been in the league 10 years. I don't know how many years he's been in there, but it seems like he's been there for years and years. Uh, and I, I believe Mitchell can have the same effect, if not a better effect, on winning – than those two guys have had. And they're great players. I don't deny their, their capabilities. Eight years in the league for Damian Lillard. This will be number yeah. nine. I mean, that's a good long run. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in today's show, coming up next. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Are you surprised with the number of turnovers that have happened? Is this something that you saw in practice and camp, or is this something that surprised you, the number of uh, turnovers? 
I'm disgusted with it. Not surprised. Disgusted. Uh, no, didn't didn't see it coming. We have been a very good ball security football team, and it is a constant point of emphasis with every player on the offensive unit. But uh, obviously, we have to do a much better job of taking care of the football. It's all about the ball. So we got to do a much better job, especially starting with the quarterback position. There's Andy Ludwig, Utah offensive coordinator. You heard him earlier in the show about 8 o'clock this morning. He had a uh, media Zoom session uh, disgusted with the turnovers. Nine of them in two games, even if you write off the Hail Mary against USC or even the late pick at Washington, that's still seven. If you average three and a half, four, four and a half turnovers a game, you are going to have a long season, even if it's a short season. Oh man, you kind of, kind of like uh, philosophically poetic there. Thank you. That was Thank you deep. Much. Thank you. Very, very, very deep. You know Too who's second on the second on the team in turnovers after uh, obviously uh, the quarterback, um, the center. No. Ty Jordan, two turnovers in two games. He had a fumble against SC too, and he's going to get more carries. Uh, both uh, Kyle. Uh, Kyle Winningham, who spoke later, and uh, Andy Ludwig talked about getting him more touches, that he has been productive. Um, he had, he had a, only 10 carries and four catches, but that's up from, I think he had eight touches in the first game and 14 in this one, so probably put him around 20, uh, you know, maybe 15 carries, five catches, something like that. But he's got to hold on to the ball. He do. And he's a freshman, man. It's going to be a learning process. Uh, I wouldn't have thought that a first-year freshman would emerge as the leading back. That's a surprise to me. Now, is it a pleasant surprise? To a degree it is uh, because he's, he's earned it. He's, it's working for him. Uh, but at the same time, I'm a little bit disappointed that the other guys didn't, haven't stepped up the way, they, the way they needed to. But turnovers, you know, they're an issue. They're always an issue. Anytime you have them, and if you have them in bunches, and if you're averaging, you know, four and a half, those are bunches. Yeah, that, that's just too much. So I understand that Ludwig would be disgusted. It's probably the best word that he could use under the circumstances. And so, sure, eliminate those. And I suspect, I don't know that you can eliminate them. Because sometimes, uh, you know, you could be running and a defender comes up from behind and punches the ball. You don't see it coming. It's like uh somebody cherry-picking on defense and then running up behind a guy who's dribbling the ball, and we slaps it away. We see that. Thing, things happen, but you've got to get a handle on them because it's going to be very, very difficult. And in the Pac-12, particularly this year, when it doesn't look like you've got uh, – at best you have an average offense. So if you're going to have turnovers, then it's going to make that offense be even less effective, which in the Pac-12 – when there's not a lot of difference usually from uh, a bulk of the teams. I mean, I don't know. You could probably say any given year, eight teams, there's not much difference between those, uh, all those, the best of that eight and the worst of that eight. And so turnovers can go a long way to determining where you fit on that level. Uh, are you one of the better teams or you're not? And it's, and turnovers can help figure that uh, equation out. 
Kyle said if they had one turnover, to your point, sometimes stuff happens. And so you can accept a turnover in the course of a game. And he said if they had one turnover in each of the first two games, they'd be 2-0. and Which falls into the if, 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 coulda, woulda, shoulda category. But uh, nonetheless, it shows that snap in and snap out, they're good enough. They've got to quit with the big negative plays. I like that, snap in and snap out. I haven't heard of that. There you go. Snap, snap out of it. You know, that was a big line in Moonstruck. <laughs> snap out of it. I like the snap in and snap out, though. It's pretty good. Yeah, I haven't. I don't know that I've heard snap I haven't in either. and snap out. <laughs> game in and game out, but I haven't heard snap right. in and snap right. out. Day in and day out, those types of things. Maybe that'll but be. Snap in and snap out? Maybe that'll be my thing. <laughs> what is a snap out? <laughs> day in and day out. Snap in and snap out. One right, snap but- after another. <laughs> I Don't look too deep into poetry. Come it on. It sort of makes sense, but it's also something that... Would you prefer you know, snap I after snap? You would prefer I'll that. I'd probably play after play. Yeah, okay, play after play. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, I want now snap in and snap out. Snap in and snap out. They're competing, but then the big play goes against them, and that sinks the ship. I feel like I'm one of the temptations, you know, and the lead guy is singing, he's got sunshine, and I'm in the back there snapping my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> just bobbing my head and we're all there's three or four of us and we're I'm in the, synchronicity i'm the fifth guy in every band you can sing but we ain't giving you a mic dude <laughs> we like you we'll go on the road with you we're not giving you a mic <laughs> snap in and snap out all right a lot of time with the utes today because andy ludwig kyle whittingham and uh who else did we hear from i know we heard from somebody Bentley. else Oh, yeah, we heard from Jake, Jake Bentley, Bentley, the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he, he talked about turnovers and eliminating them as well. And just with the 30-plus starts in the SEC, just expect to see a better game out of him. I do, yeah. It's been a disappointment to a, to a good extent because you're thinking, now South Carolina is not the elite of the SEC, but still, you know, you're thinking SEC, 33 starts. Man, what a great get that is, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's like those uh, I used to say with BYU – if they ever got a kid who decommitted from a big school and came to BYU, particularly if he was African-American, oh, those BYU fans would go berserk. <laughs> and I'm wondering, are we doing the same thing? Did we do the same thing with Jake Bentley? He had 33 starts in the SEC. Oh, my gosh. He must be really good. Well, he hasn't shown it yet. Now, I'm not willing to close the door on him because uh, he has an opportunity this Saturday to regroup, and, and let's see what he does, snap in and snap out. He did have 30 interceptions in his uh, – 32 interceptions in his time in the SEC. So turnovers, less than one a game. Turnovers were an issue, yes. So, so, so turnovers for him, snap in and snap out, are probably going to be uh, – and would somebody tell Brian Greasy it's not reoccurring? It's recurring? He has now <laughs> said reoccurring multiple Monday nights. Brian – I know you didn't go to the Walter Cronkite school like I did, but the word is recurring, not reoccurring. Yes, it should be reoccurring, but it's not. It's recurring. Feel better now? <laughs> Brian, please, man. Uh, I'm a grammatician. What can I tell you? I mean, word it and word out, I pay attention. The Monday Night Football game, bit of a snoozer there. Once Seattle got up 14-0 in the second quarter, it was hard to picture how Philly could possibly win that game, and it turned out they couldn't. They also could not match up with DK Metcalf, who had 10 
catches for 177 yards. And now I'm seeing graphics out there on uh, social media today, PK, about the way he started his NFL career versus the way Megatron started, the way Calvin Johnson got going in Detroit. And the numbers are very flattering for DK Metcalf. If you're compared to Megatron, that's a good thing. And if you're compared to Megatron and your numbers are a little better, all the better. Well, yeah, I think that you got that there. But Schwartz, the, the, I think he's the D.C. for Philly, who was the coach in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And so he was the one putting that out there. And obviously the size and strength and speed seem like they're there. And uh, so he's a blossoming kid right now, probably off the top of my head. Minimum top five in the NFL, maybe higher if you want to go there. I'd have to map it all out put all the guys there and look at all because as soon as I start naming guys I'll forget guys because it's a huge league with a bunch of guys but he's at he's close to the top 177 yards and Russell Wilson threw for 230 so 177 yards to him and 53 yards to everybody else the other guys you're there to uh, you know be decoys and to block on the running plays yeah although uh, more caught a touchdown pass so Yep, he did. We had on Dylan Cauley early in the show. If you uh, missed that conversation, he said he'd like to see BYU play Cincinnati and Texas A&M. He doesn't think BYU is the top four team in the country, but there are teams just outside the top four, and he he thinks those would be really good games, really good tests for BYU. We might see the Cincinnati game. I've been hoping to see the A&M game, but I – I figure I'm probably up in the night on that. I'm probably just wishing. Yeah, I was uh, listening. I told you I listened to New Heisel has this show right on uh, that I listened to right after us. And he was talking about yesterday that schedules going forward should be thrown out. And forget schedules. You've got two, three weeks to go. So schedule games that are going to help your conference. Now, BYU is not in the conference, but scheduling BYU could help your conference. Like, I'll give you an example of what he was talking about. He believes that Larry Scott and the Pac-12 folks should get together, redo the scheduling to make sure that SC and Colorado play each other. I like that, and I think that if Washington's going to stay undefeated, then he needs to make sure that uh, maybe they get a big game. Because they want the payday from the playoff, regardless of whether they win or lose. Uh, they want the exposure and the payday and the credibility because the league is just taking so many hits, many of them self-inflicted. So set up a Washington-BYU game. Because if Washington wins it and they're undefeated, that'll give them a lot more credibility. And you're right about getting SC and Colorado to play each other and setting up a title game. Yeah, and he went through and he broke it down. He obviously he came prepared, and he had a bunch of examples. Now, I use the Pac-12 because we can relate to that. I'll go with Mountain West. He was saying that Boise and San Jose State should play. Now, these are games that have been COVID canceled. So he was saying that the point, and he went through, a whole, just, he went through literally every conference, and we should scrap the scheduling and redo it at this point. Make sure the big Never, games happen. Yeah, never been done before, but this season has never been done before, so whoop-de-freaking-do. Nobody cares about that. Okay, but the SEC's done it a little bit, and they're making sure Alabama's playing LSU, even though LSU isn't great and it isn't a perfect comparison. It's still brand names in a primetime matchup, and they're making sure that happens. 
Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There there you go. And so go ahead and it's an it's a totally outside the box thinking, but if you step back and think about it, it absolutely makes sense. And I don't know off the top of my head Colorado and SC who they've got left. Uh but right now they're the two teams that are undefeated. And so get them out there to see what could happen because that's going to strengthen your league's case and he got and he went through all the various leagues and played it out and yeah, it's I don't a, know that they'll do that they but won't. it made total sense. <laughs> they won't. Here's the deal. USC plays UCLA on the 12th, so the goal would be that this Saturday should be the USC they should have already done it. USC Colorado should be this Saturday because that would be better than seeing USC play Washington State. It's only Tuesday, man. We got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> Make it happen. Sure. Making games happen on Thursday. So scheduling games for 2030 seems pretty ridiculous when you're you're setting games up on Wednesday and Thursday for Saturday. Yeah, they should do that every day. Next year should be the the year of the weekly schedule. Uh, Colorado's playing Arizona this weekend and then Utah. So, But I just don't think they're going to mess with the USC-UCLA game. Not going to do it. No, which is why I thought originally what they should do is not have divisions this year. I thought they should have just taken the two best teams and put them in their final. Well, I think that's why uh, what he's advocating won't happen in the uh, in the Mountain West Conference. At this point, San Jose and Boise are the only two undefeated teams, and they don't have divisions. So those two teams would meet in the conference title game. They're both 4-0 in league play. And Boise State's four and one, obviously, with the loss to BYU. And yeah, I mean, San Jose doesn't have the pedigree. Can you count on them going undefeated the rest of the way? You probably can with Boise, but can you count on it with San Jose? It'd no. be nice if it would happen. Right? No, you can't. They've got uh, Hawaii at home and then Nevada at home. And Nevada was undefeated. They were five and zero, oh, and then they lost in Hawaii uh, late Saturday night, Sunday morning. Which was so a surprise. Five, I they're thought they're five and anyway. one. Yeah, that's a mild upset. But Hawaii, yeah. they, I don't know if you knew that they had the, they had had their best week of practice. Of course they had. I did know that. I know that without hearing. <laughs> Thank you, Todd Graham. Yep. So explosive. T- former Arizona State coaches. <laughs> the best Tuesday practice. PK, now, I did, told you to you, listen to the line, and you did. And was I right? You were. I, at first I was like, <laughs> okay, that's over the top. And then literally, it was our best Tuesday practice. I'm like, wow. Okay, Mr. Positivity. <laughs> Keep this man away from the Diet Coke. Nothing caffeinated for this guy. Well, now yeah, he could put his feet up, man. He's he got a ten million dollar buyout. From yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he's got he's got Hawaii at three and three after that uh, after that upset win. All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. Your feedback coming up next. And that's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. All the stuff. You've been talking about during today's show. Uh, we got a whole thread going between Ute fans here talking about the Ute running game and, and how effective it was. Uh, Lee says, I thought Bentley made good decisions in the first half, but Washington seemed to catch on that his throws were all short. They could defend the run and the short pass at the same time. But also, I watched the game after midnight and I was pretty tired. <laughs> Sleep deprived takeaways from the game, PK. <laughs> Uh, he says he doesn't remember a lot of good runs. Well, they ran for 215 yards, so that's a good day at the office if you're a running game. 
You just can't look at the team that runs for 215 yards and say, you sucked. Uh, correct. Obviously, yes. <laughs> right. And I think the, the thing with Ty Jordan is uh, the, the 10 carries. Um, he didn't quite get to 100 yards, but he got close. And when you're only getting 10 carries, that's why they're talking about uh, more touches for him. I guess people wonder at his size, what kind of beating can he take? But he is not a slight guy. He is, as Alema Harrington likes to say, thick. Oh, yeah, his core, particularly for just for a freshman, wow. It's pretty <laughs> impressive, man. And it hasn't sacrificed at the, for the sake of speed, uh, what Kyle keeps saying. Kid was a 10-whatever meter runner in high school. And so, yeah, I, I think that he's got to get 15. That, that's the great thing about it here. So that's why I'm not as hung up in the win-losses. I and mean, I know it's hard not to get to that when your team is out on the field. You want them to win. doesn't matter what it is. But when you look at him going forward, if he continues that this production this season, you got yourself a player going yeah. forward to next season. When you know, hopefully it's a twelve-game season and everything's back to normal, and it counts, just means is means more next season. So I'm excited for his potential. That's that's a storyline over these next three games to watch. Through two games now, he's got 17 carries for 129 yards. He needs more touches, but if that became your game average, and I get that he spread it over two games. Uh, 17 carries, 129 yards. It's seven and a half yards a carry. I mean, they they got something there. That yeah, that's your lead back. That's your guy. I agree. Just don't say touches for a running back. Say carries. Well, except they're going to throw him the ball too. He does seem to be right, a good but receiver. He, but that's something entirely different. He needs more carries. Yes. I don't have a problem with him throwing the ball either. He's got five catches for 52 yards. Right, but. I, I get that, but what I'm saying, if you just say touches, then it's and, too many. It's too many passes and not enough. Yeah, run. you you yeah. want look at you getting all Kyle Whittingham dominant run game on me. Well, if it's there, yes, yeah, absolutely. Right. It, it's hard to argue with seven point six yards per carry. Only thing missing from his two things when you look at his stats through two games, and I get it's a very small sample size. He doesn't have a touchdown yet. Needs to get into the end zone, and he's fumbled in each game, and so he's got a cut down those turnovers. But he probably, someone said something to him after that SC fumble, obviously, because Kyle always talks to people who have turnovers, and so do all the offensive coaches. Uh, and then he has another one in the red zone with the game hanging the balance, which is why you saw the hands go to the helmet and that reaction you were talking about Monday. Oh, yeah, maybe he just found out like his dog died or something. He's like, that's two games, two turnovers! Yeah, I know. All right, you got an open mic for us in there, Yak. What do you have? Yeah, this comes in from Kay, and I think you'll have some fun with this one, so here you go. A year ago, after the Utes lost their bowl game, everyone said, oh, I guess they weren't as good as we thought they were. You'll say it again this year if the Cougars ever play anyone with any talent. Press pause, Urban. Press pause. (laughs) So he's going against, and who was that, Kay? K going against Urban. Okay, I got K over here, yep. and I got Urban over here. Who am I choosing? Probably Urban. That'd be my Coach guess. Coach Meyer, how are you? <laughs> Press play, man. He said it. He said it so forcefully. 30-plus years of pressing play. And I stood up straight. He's on the TV. Where they are, they're in California? Yeah. I felt like he was looking at me, and I better be sitting up straight. 
so he can't accuse me of slouching. When he said that on Saturday, man, that was very powerful. I know you'll remember this. We had Urban on the show at a charity golf tournament. Stonebridge. Yeah, see, I already you, you took it right out of my mouth. You know exactly what I'm going at. And we're talking about uh, the youths are undefeated in 04 and other teams you could go play, and he starts in on teams he wants to play in a parking lot. <laughs> in Stonebridge's parking lot, yeah. yeah. I went out and moved my car. We'll go play in the parking lot right now. <laughs> Baylor, come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, I remember when he sat there. Uh, I don't remember the golf tournament, but I know we were at Stonebridge. And he came, he was there and he came on and sat down and he said it very forcefully. And that's the thing that I've been saying. So, of course, I'm going to agree with Urban. Plus, he knows a trillion more than I do. And, but he reinforced what I've been saying. It's it, if you've got quality players, it's not about the competition. If you've got NFL guys, it's not about the competition. And I was having this argument with my neighbor uh, a couple of weeks ago because if you're just going to go on competition, then then Carson Wentz and Kurt Warner and so forth and so on, none of these guys would ever make it. It's not about the competition. It's about how good you are. It's not completely about the competition. Maybe I need to throw the word completely in there. It's how good you are. And if you're Brady, Brady Christensen and preparing for an NFL career and you're Zach Wilson and so forth and so on, it, does, it, does the competition really matter? Yeah, man, I guess it matters in terms of your team being undefeated potentially, but it doesn't matter necessarily how good you are. And some of these guys that the Cougars have are really good. Well, I think two things here. Uh, you know, Urban's talking about BYU being 14. So if they played those teams that are 11, 12, 13, 15, 16, 17, in that neighborhood, he clearly thinks that they could handle them. Now, if they do get into a New Year's 6 and they're playing Team 5-6, I think there's a lot of separation at the top of college football. So if they do get to play a Cincinnati, a Florida, a Texas A&M, you know, could they get beat? Could they get blown out? You know, could they blow somebody out? I think all those questions are out there. But I think what Urban was talking about is when you put them at 14 and you look who's at 11, 12, 13, and 15, 16, 17, that's not BYU's neighborhood. But there's also a lot of separation at the top of college football. We could see a big argument over who number four is in the playoff, and then whoever gets it gets blown out by number one Alabama because there's a lot of separation at the top. And like, oh, four, they didn't belong. Yeah, well, there's a good chance that there is no number four. There's a decent chance. We've seen that before, and we might be seeing it again. We've had, we've had a lot of blowouts in college football semifinals because there isn't a lot of parity at the top. You know, it doesn't sound like it's a big deal from one to four or from four to eight, but there's actually a lot of separation. But you get down to you know, the, the 10 through 20 group, I don't think there's so much separation. And I think Urban is saying BYU is above that group. Now, if they get A&M, how will it go? That's a different question. He might end up picking A&M. But he doesn't think they should be in that group, uh, 14 in the middle of the second 10. All right, we're out of time. Scotty and Hands are coming up. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you.